Welcome to Wait Long by the River, the show that calls in a bomb threat in the minds of Australia's great cultural talents so we can peer through the window as the bomb robot pulls apart their genius and gives us a sneak peek at the inner workings before safely detonating it far from any civilians. We have a real golden stag of an interview for you this time, but before we launch into it, I thought I'd let you know, in this interview, it might sound a bit like I'm in space. That's the result of a technical difficulty, and it sounds way better than it did originally, which is entirely due to the helpful and technically talented John Guscott. Thanks heaps, John. First Wednesday of every month, we record live at Sun Velvet Morning in Clifton Hill, so do come along for a live show. As you can hear in this podcast, we've been having a lot of fun at the shows. Coming up are Mandy Connell from Stray Hens, and then in July, one of my idols, a seriously excellent guest, Darren Hanlon. I'll also throw a shout out to the proprietor of Sun Velvet Morning, John Guscott, for taking a punt on us and letting us put on the show. Thanks heaps, John. If you like what you hear, be our friend on Facebook or Twitter at Long by the River. Look us up on iTunes, and also we've got a real treat for you on the website. Our guest's live set was recorded in its entirety, and some or all of that recording is on the website for you to listen to at www.waitlongbytheriver.com. That was recorded, mixed, and mastered by none other than John Guscott. So thanks heaps, John. Our guest is the lamppost of the Melbourne scene, the rock and roll troubadour himself, band leader of the poker hop band The Commission Flats. It's Skyscraper Stan. Yeah. Skyscraper Stan, I saw you at the recommendation of a friend of mine who has really excellent taste in music at the Yarra. Uh, Good spot. Yep. And you were playing with what looked like a family band. I learned in the end it's just it's you and a cousin and a, a motley crew. Yeah. 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 So uh, have you always been Skyscraper Stan or did you only become Skyscraper Stan once you were with the band? Uh, no, that was a name that was given to me by my old boss. Back in Auckland, taking the piss. I tried to build myself as Stan Woodhouse, which doesn't have quite the same ring to it. It's a worthy name. It was just it was just a nickname. I was a really uncool kid, and they like kind of started playing when I was like eighteen. And they just mm-hmm. they were they were trying to be mean. What did you do to but you take the words that they used to hurt you and you make them your own? Yeah, yeah great. And that's what I did. <laughs> so you only started playing when you were eighteen, but you were an outsider. From the very beginning, yeah, I've always felt a little on the other. No, no, actually, no. I was, I was, I was all right. I, I wasn't like, you know, I was just like, I wasn't particularly well dressed or anything, and like, and that's like, that's the most important thing when it comes to music. Do you feel like that's changed? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Now I, now I, I wear, I wear Jack London. Oh, very nice. No? Mm-hmm. And uh, clear it warehouse, Brunswick. And uh, yeah, I go to, I go to clear it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, don't, I don't buy the new shit. Yeah, I, I, I find it very hard on the 86 not to just hop off and run up to clear it every day on the way home from work. Yeah, no, I don't. Be very, in fact, uh, Jim Vale, you're in the audience. Are you wearing any Jack London right now? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. You start to learn yeah. who, who, who shares your love of Jack London. Yeah. Is that enough Jack London for the, for the podcast? Do you want to keep going on that topic? Yeah, no, they're not paying me enough to... Oh, say any more about it. They just gave me the one little payout to mention them once. So you feel like, do you get enough credit for your style considering you have to stand next to the elaborately coiffured Oscar Herbig? He only started dressing fancy after I started dressing fancy. So. That's as good a place as any to start talking about your relationship with Oscar Herbig. I mean, <laughs> he's, I mean he's your little cousin, right? You guys are both New Zealanders. Um, 
Yeah, I'm his big cousin more than him being my little cousin. I see. Good save. Uh, I'm aware for this entire section of the podcast that Oscar is in the front row looking at me, <laughs> consideringly. Uh, do you feel like, do you feel, because who got here first? Who came to Melbourne first? Uh, I did, but I'm a good four years older than Oscar, so. So do you feel a little bit responsible for him? Uh, not really. kind of does. I, maybe back when we were like 12 and whatever, four years less than 12 is. Mm-hmm. And... Seven. <laughs> For some of the year, and then it's eight. <laughs> Do you? So were you always were you always like getting out of scrapes and getting into scrapes and generally scraping at that age? Uh, no, no, I was I was like I was quite anti-scraping <laughs> my entire life, really. Really? Until when? Because uh, stabbings are different. That's, stabbings. That's the opposite of the picture that I have in my head. Of well, no, like, like getting in, getting into trouble and getting into fights are two different things. Ah, oh, I see. A scrape is a fight. Well, yeah, that's what I figured you meant. I don't know. It's just we just. I just meant I just meant trouble. All right, oh, yeah, so trouble. were you troublemakers? Oh, you know, no more, no more than um. Yeah, your sort of standard, slightly homoerotic cousin pairing. I, look, I thought of about five different directions I wanted to go with that, but uh, I'm aware that this is a family podcast. I'm just kidding. You can swear oh, all you want. Oh, shit. That's right. My parents are going to hear this. No, I had, to make that de- <laughs> I had to make that decision when you put it up on iTunes. You can either say clean or explicit, and you can't go halfway. So this is going to have a giant red label saying explicit on it. So you can... Because I said homoerotic. Uh, no, 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 because my next line of questioning was going to be how far into that relationship can we go on air? <laughs> Not very far. I'd like to welcome from behind the stage, Oscar Herbig. <laughs> no, that's okay. He's actually in front of the stage. Still keeping an eye on me. Yeah. All right. So look, take me back to New Zealand. You're buying chips for $2 and they're coming in wrapped in newspaper, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Old yep. school. Yep. yep. Old school. And then at some point you decide you've got to get out. Yeah, there was more to it than that. <laughs> All right, fill it in. Where where should I start? Um. Uh, what are you folks like? Well. <laughs> remember they're listening. No, no, they're fantastic. They're both very very artistic people. My mother's a novelist. And my father edits documentaries. So cool. they're, you know, they are they are. Very artistic themselves and initially quite trepidatious about their children following a similar path. Really? Um, you know, I should probably get a real job as far as they're concerned, but they're also very supportive Yeah. So that I live in a shed with no door. and <laughs> No door? I, I live off really? pints. What, what happened to the door? We found it in the veggie patch, but um, <laughs> I never attached it. The door frame got chewed off by something. Does that, is that something still around? <laughs> I just got an eyebrow wave there so for those listening at home. How long have you been? Uh, how was winter? Well, have you only just, been there for a little while? Started. Yeah. Um, uh. It's 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 driven me out already. I've I've started moving down back down to Abbotsford over the Ooh. last couple of days. That's, how's that? How'd that go down with your housemates? Oscar, how'd that go down with the housemates? <laughs> Bullshit. Everyone was very sad. <laughs> uh, so. How much of that situation have you? Do you think you've constructed in your head? Like, do you think that everyone was actually really sad? They told me they were sad. I don't know whether they felt like they had to tell me that or that's whether the, it was true. I'm going to say it was true. That's the best you can get. You just Stop need, fucking with me, Fahey. You know, 
<laughs> You're right, I didn't bring you up here to psychoanalyze you. Tell me more about your parents. <laughs> I'm, I really am just curious because I feel like people owe a lot, a real debt to their parents, even just in their personality. They've and been paying off my student loan, so yeah. <laughs> like yep. $18,000 worth of debt at this point in time. Yeah, I think I'm sitting on about the same, but isn't, don't you, don't you, don't you just never have to pay that? Isn't that how that works? Uh, not, no, now that we've got Uncle John in Parliament, he actually, he tracked me down, started sending me letters. I don't know how he found my address, and I'm pretty sure it's him personally sending the letters. Mm -hmm. He's a prick. Are they signed with a blue pen or a black pen? Because black pen's photocopied. Red pen, man. Red <laughs> That's got sort of an educational tone to it, doesn't it? He's, <laughs> yeah. He's trying to send you subtle messages through the, the red signature. Because I haven't done well enough. He's very upset. Mm. What did you do at uni? Um, Was it something really exciting? No. Well, I mean, it could have been if I'd been a better student. It was biology. Ah, oh, worthy science. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a scientist. So That's if you guys crazy. want me to like check any yeah. bits of you at any point, I won't know what I'm looking for at all because mm -hmm. I studied mainly fish. But um, <laughs> I could tell you some stuff about fish. If you guys, you want to know anything about fish? Yeah, what's your favorite fish? What's my favorite fish? Um, I, I like the goldfish. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they respire anaerobically during the winter in cold places. It freezes over on the top and they fill their entire bodies with ethanol. Really? So you can you could like you could eat a goldfish at the end of a Chinese winter and get drunk. Wow! Sick as that. So is that you'd have it... to eat it? You'd have to eat it raw. Does that make it your spirit animal? Oh, yes. Okay. I like that. Thank you. Uh, that's in the notes, actually. So yep, I was ready for that joke. I yeah, I went through your diary. You know your, your live journal's still up there. That's um, easy enough to hack into. Uh, all of my scientist friends who really stuck with it are the ones who are really successful now. They're the ones who are like mm. out in the kakadu studying lizards or they're like, they have jobs at universities. And Whereas all of my arts friends, I think a lot of them are here in the audience, so I don't want to say anything that will offend them, but they, from society's point of view, they're worthless. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true, but same, same with an undergraduate science degree. It's like you're just mm. as useless. But was there more of an expectation? Did people, when you, when you signed up for science and not arts, do you reckon your parents breathed the sigh of relief? Well, no, because I signed up for medicine and then bailed. <sighs> so, like, they were disappointed from the get-go, really, I think. Calm down, Oscar, this is my interview. <laughs> he's, the, he's the third man in this podcast. I know. It, comes, it comes through. You'd be amazed what can be heard from the audience. Uh, when I was editing a couple of weeks ago, I got to hear a little conversation that was going on down near the piano that was like a really serious DNM <laughs> in hushed tones. And I, was, and I amplified it, but then I kept hearing myself in my left ear really, really loudly. And so I didn't get to hear everything that was said, but it was racy. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, no homoerotic incest, but close. Could you stop bringing that up? Oh, that was a Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I rushed to get you out of New Zealand, but then you stopped me. So what do we need to cover in New Zealand before we can get out of there? Oh, there's not much there. Um, Are you a North Islander or South Islander? I'm North Islander. I grew up in Auckland. Is there a strong divide? Like, do you guys... Is it like North and South Melbourne, where people in the South dress really trendily and take performance-enhancing drugs and <clears throat> drink? People in the South Island don't experience. do that. 
so much. They like there, there's a bit of a divide that um, it's like that friendly rivalry where like everyone in the South Island are sheep shaggers and everyone in the North Island are like public servants. Oh, good one. <laughs> Bungee jumpers is what came to mind for me, but that's yeah. South Island as well, isn't it? So did, when you left, you were eight, seven, eighteen, nineteen. No, I was. I was. It was just before my twenty-first birthday. Oh, so you've been playing guitar for a few years. Yeah. Well, I started playing at sixteen, mm-hmm. and then I started gigging at eighteen, and then I moved over here at just before twenty-one. Was the Stan of that era already the Americana-loving, rambling man? Yeah, more so probably by that point because I didn't really have any reference outside of what I'd listened to. So it was it was like really um, really shit music. Really? Yeah. What, like New Zealand Top yeah. 40? No, no, just like tuneless attempts at blues. Songs about selling my soul to the devil and... At the crossroads? And hopping trains mm-hmm. and shit, like stuff that I'd heard because I, yeah. I, I didn't know anything. So what did it take to find your voice? Was that moving here? Well, I don't, I don't reckon I have. Really? Well, You're yeah. transitional. Well, I think it, you know, takes a hell of a long time. I'll probably find it sometime in like my my walk down the autumn path. Find my voice. Are we at spring now? Just to flesh that metaphor I out. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sometimes feel like oh. <laughs> yeah, with the yeah. kidney thing right now, I'm feeling like it could be the autumn path already. Yeah, tell me about that. We had a bit of a discussion at the bar about kidneys. Um, for those of you who are heavy drinkers, you've ever had that thing where where you have a bad enough hangover that genuinely your kidneys hurt? Yeah, um, see, I always get a surprised look, but we bonded about this at the yeah, bar. Yeah. That's a real thing. It's a thing that happens. Um, Mum, if you're listening, this is all bullshit. Um, We're just building up an, an image here. We discussed yeah, it beforehand, Mum. This is, like, management told me to say this. I had a, I had a big night when I was traveling. I was with Anya in New Orleans. And... Uh, we met a, an ex-marine called Squirrel. Is that one syllable over there? Is that Squirrel? Squirrel? Yeah, nice. Yeah, Squirrel. He kept on saying, terra firma, man, terra firma. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, it, it meant that he was happy to have me in his country. Oh, great. And, um, <laughs> oh, as opposed to terra nullius. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. If All he'd right. been saying that, it would have been like a get the fuck out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, um, I ended up drinking with him all night. <clears throat> and... Um, the next morning was was difficult, um, like the most difficult morning I've ever had in my life, and that that went for about three days. <clears throat> and I had these bruises on my back where my kidneys are, <laughs> like two like round bruises. <laughs> and um, ever since then, if I have a heavy night, uh, I like my my kidneys fucking ache <laughs> for days. <laughs> But yeah, mum, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how is you're only like a third of the way through that beer, so you're not as heavy a drinker as you sound. No, no. Mm. Oh, this is really making me crave a drink. I signed up to not drink this month, and I'm regretting it with every moment that passes. Not because of the quality of the company. Thank you for offering me that beer. That just made it ten times harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you say you haven't found your voice. It's funny because listening... I mean, that's what caught me at the very beginning was that you were playing a, a style of music that was familiar, but every one of those songs has your stamp all over it. Like the, the dissonances and the guitar playing and the fact that you rarely get more than two or three lines in before you have one that's worth writing down. Like there's really strong lyricism, but do you reckon you're still sort of at the 
Are there more metaphors just for crossroads and devils and stuff? Oh, yeah, there's so many metaphors for crossroads and devils. I don't, no, I just think in terms of like finding your voice, it's it's something that constantly changes over time because what you – the way that you view music in general changes. Like the last couple of years for me has been incredibly enlightening because I've everything that I thought I knew – is now it just like I just I was thinking about everything wrong and kind of it's not it's not necessarily the way you write music that changes though I'm sure that changes with it but it's the way that you view the whole thing that changes and all the things that you realize that are possible that you never even thought of before that constantly happen so I think your voice changes all the time I think I think you're pretty much always looking for your voice you don't like there are you know a couple of people who have found it and just like ridden it really hard like Bob Dylan mm -hmm. someone like that really I'm, hard I'm pissed off with him because I just feel like he could have left a few songs <laughs> around for someone else to write mm -hmm. oh Leonard but, Cohen picked up a couple along the road yeah and Hank Woody oh, Guthrie yeah. yeah so I'm I, I'm pretty angry at all of my idols <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> was that a, was that a, was that a close list? I mean, I know you you referenced Woody Guthrie, so that's low hanging fruit. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. but Hank, are you a Hank Williams fan, or I is that just the same Hank. era? Yep, I love Hank so much. Yeah, I dream of doing a Hank nice. Williams show. You know those great shows where you really where you're really old, and then uh, you need to resurrect your career, like Tex Perkins, and so you you do it the the history of an, an artist, and you get out and you mm. tell their story in between the songs, and then you nail the songs because you have a really great band with you and. That's how I want to do that as Hank from age, I guess, 30. That's my life plan until I die. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Be the, be the lead singer in a Hank covers band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds better the way I I know, I know. <laughs> I was just simplifying it for the crowd. Hey, they're, they're an intelligent crowd. I know. Most I didn't of them, mean to condescend to you guys. Sorry. Most of them did science or arts. <laughs> <laughs> Who here did a degree but it wasn't science or arts? Yeah. There's Whoa. three hands and oh me and a cheer. So if I, have, hands. if I had more time, I'd interrogate what the different degrees were because I'd love to know who puts their hands up. I wonder if that's law. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I just love these little asides because right now they lead to dead air, but I can just edit them out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much power. <laughs> we talked about kidney damage. Appetites. You bring up appetites in a song and you say that it's caused you trouble. Is that a real thing? Do you reckon your appetites cause you trouble with other people? Um, well, like with, um, with bounces, uh -huh. definitely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I think like historically, yes. Uh, you know, you got to try to try to do things in moderation. I don't like to do that so much, but there's something to be said for it. But also that particular song was actually about um, was about a town in Canada. It wasn't actually about a woman. <clears throat> I just thought it was more romantic if I made it sound like it was about a woman. But there's a town called Victoria in British Columbia on Vancouver Island, and it's just shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a come on, you, contentious opinion. You, you can't. Yeah, it's shit. You can't. <laughs> You can't paddle a kayak in Victoria at any time of the day unless you have lights on it, like a bow and a stern light. Really? Canada. It's Canada. I was like one of the only smokers in the entire city, and they'd made me... <laughs> like, we had to stand on the median strip 
Do you know about in kayaks? In the middle of the road to smoke a cigarette. Do you know about kayaks because you had to row out into the sound to smoke your cigarette? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had yeah. to piss off out into the harbour if you were like, you have to be at least three kilometres away from any shop front. Wow. And it's like, basically it was just a place where fun was outlawed. The only thing that seemed to be readily available was weed. And that's not fun? <laughs> <laughs> we had a... For those listening that, at home, 30 people just cheered in an audience of 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's a problem with weed being so freely available as well, I guess, just because it, um, no one, because no one smoked cigarettes, people would get incredibly monged before they went out to a gig. Well, no, there were no gigs. So mm. when they went out to a club mm. and then they'd all sit in there and they'd never go out for a cigarette and they'd like, they'd sit in a circle and they'd look at their drinks for a while because it was very loud and you couldn't talk, and then they go home, and they'd be like, my fucking, fucking sweet night, eh? Fucking, yeah. <laughs> wow, that paints a really dangerous picture. I mean, do you think that the fun there just isn't involved in going out? Do you think it's in hiking and yeah, kayaking? Yeah. And it happens yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, so we have an apologist. We have an apologist. You feel a lot healthier living in Victoria because there's nothing to, nothing to hurt you. Except bears. Except bears, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are a few a few bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long were you in North America? I, I think, I think I can't remember all up. It was like 10 months or something. Wow. Does it feel it like longer? Be, it, yeah, it feels like a fair whack of time. Like, did a lot of stuff in that time. I would have liked to have stayed longer, but um, I never at any point sussed out a visa or anything when I went over. So I was like jumping, going between Canada and and America on the same visa and... I discovered that if you go by, by boat or by land, you meet nicer people at the immigration office thing and you can convince them to stamp your passport again. Because I had, I had a three-month visa and I was there for 10 months. I think that's like, that's a pretty good achievement. And did you spend much of that time down in the South? Because I know that you... Heaps, yeah. That, like, um, well, when I was, like, we ended up getting stuck in Canada for quite a while. Um, but when we were actually moving and seeing the places we wanted to go, um, it was all like, yeah, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee. Mm, lots of romantic, uh, musical places. Yeah. Like, like pretty, pretty wanky kind of down South musical odyssey tour thing. There's nothing wanky about that. Reconnecting with your, with I, your I have no lives. problem with wanking. I, oh, great. No, you're right. It extends your lifespan. Does it? Yeah, it was in the Guardian today. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad awesome. to hear that because I'm looking for because it's gonna take you forever to find your voice. Yeah, so true. That's, that's a really nice synergy there. So, are you gonna go back? Yeah, definitely. So long as I haven't fucked anything up. I mean, if they'll let me back in, I don't think I've got a black mark against my name. Uh, did your guitar come from over there? Because it's a beautiful guitar. No, it didn't actually. That was a gift. Um. I got that here on a my gift. 22nd birthday or something. Who gives you a beautiful guitar? Uh, Anya, she's sitting there. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank yeah, you, Anya. That's pretty good. As a listener, and, uh, I appreciate that. And, and, a few, and a few other mates all chipped in. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty nice thing to come home to after working a massive night shift on, on my birthday. Really? It was pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was a pretty happy day. Wow. 
Did you have any energy left in you to play it or did you just fall asleep on it? I fell asleep on it, but mm-hmm. it was because um, I'd had my eye on it for a long time. It was in a guitar store and I didn't have the money for it. And I kept on going in and playing it and dreaming about buying it. And then it disappeared. But the guitar store people played along with the whole thing and told me that they'd sold it to a businessman. And oh, no. And that, and that he was going to sand it down <laughs> and paint a big lightning bolt on it or something. Oh, and that he was just learning. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if he really liked the guitar. And that he's really into Nickelback. And, like, <sighs> and, um, and I bought the whole thing and I was like, so yeah, finding it in my bedroom on that on that birthday morning was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty good. Aww. 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 <laughs> oh, isn't life pretty sometimes? Yes. Are you gonna do the lightning bolt thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once I get the money. Darren Hamlin talks a lot about how he tours with one or two guitars. He's my reference because I think he's the best. He talks a lot about touring with one or two guitars, but he has a, a guitar that's really fragile that he can't tour with. But it's his songwriting guitar. And mm. until he gets back to that guitar, he's, he can only play the old stuff. He doesn't really come out with new stuff. Do you feel like this was a, a, a songwriting guitar for you? No, actually, this is... I only ever really play this guitar on stage. I I have like a $400 Takamine knockabout thing with no pickup or anything. I write all my songs on that. It's actually a lot nicer to play than this pretty guitar. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but you find that. Often the prettiest things are... um are really nasty to handle. <laughs> I'm going to let that one hang for a second. <laughs> okay. That's great. Is that... I mean, you have a theme of strong women through the EP, certainly, and through a couple of the other songs that aren't recorded yet. Mm-hmm. Is that just a really handy songwriting trope, or is that a thing that you, you're out in the world searching for? I think it endears me to women more, and... Um, that's the only reason I started playing. Oh, of course. Yep. No, it's um, it's. I don't know. I've just uh, s- strong strong women are a grouse. You know, I, I was raised by a very strong woman, and I've known a lot of very strong women throughout my entire life. And actually, working here in the music industry in um in Melbourne, I found that we've worked with more women than we have men in what is supposed to be a like male dominated like, industry. So I know. I um, basically I just dig strong women, man. Uh, yeah. That's a wonderful thing to hear because I was just hearing the other day that apparently the the ratio is of of people who are listed with the aria with APRA, I should say, twenty five percent women and seventy five percent men in the bands and as solo singer songwriters. So the ratio artists really skewed. Yeah, as artists who are registered in Australia. Really. Yeah, which as that's I was thinking the same thing in Melbourne. I mean, you're easily just as likely to see. A fantastic all-female act, or a female-led act like Opep, or Liz Stringer, or Jen Cloer, or Courtney Hiatus Barnett, Coyote, or all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Hiatus Coyote. I mean, they're the biggest Australian band in the world right now. Not that mm. anyone in Australia could tell you that, no. but but they're ridiculously huge over there. And you know, Napalm is. She's pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. She is amazing. She's cool. She was here the other day. Oh yeah. Here at Sun Velvet Morning, just to give Sun Velvet Morning a sweet plug. Australia's biggest up and comer after Skyscraper Stan, obviously. Yeah. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that and the, the, the actress, the lady from Rake. Do you, do you watch Rake? Are you a TV man? No. No, I'm, I'm not. Is that how you get so much good songwriting done? Wait, you live in a shed without a door. Are you an electricity man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got, I got power in the shed. 
got nice. Yeah, I can I can run two lights at the same time, but not a heater. Um, not a heater, no. But that's because I just don't own one. Um, but it doesn't matter because if there's an on-demand hot water heater that's stuck to the wall in the shed, so every morning I get woken up to this like <laughs> noise when someone turns on the shower and like the pilot light's burning all night long. So um, the carbon monoxide keeps me warm. <laughs> Good to hear. It's not doing any permanent damage. I think all the damage that it's going to do, it's already done. Oh, that's good. So now you're going to move on. Yeah. Where to? <clears throat> Abbotsford. Pretty exciting. Are you a lentil as anything kind of guy? Um, yeah, yeah, I am, but I pay. Uh, yeah, there's some guilty, some guilty eyes. Yeah, everyone kind of looked anyway. away when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, once I was tempted not to pay because I play gigs there all the time, and I, you know, you, you get paid whatever people are willing to contribute. Which at a place where people aren't willing to contribute for the food, generally isn't much. And as I was walking in, I thought, no, I've earned it. I've earned it. I'm just going to take whatever food I want and then just eat it. And then I thought, what are you doing, man? You're stealing from a place that's run on charity mm. because you did something that you love for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney Sorry? Yeah, yeah. They've got a Sydney branch now. Lentils, anything open in Sydney. Yeah. That's exciting. It's such a risk because the people there hate to give, but they have so. But as a result, they have so much more money that if they give yeah, money, yeah. it's gonna be like, oh, is fifty is fifty the kind of thing? Is that what you pay for food? I don't know. My butler's not with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also the powers that be in Sydney dislike anything cool. Ah, oh, depends on what happening. level. Because at the state level, they're horrible. But like Clover Moore is the mayor. And she's as cool as it gets as a mayor. Do you hear like statewide in New South Wales now you can't buy off-license liquor after 10 p.m.? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you just got to stock up. You got to be a prepper. You got to be a prepper like me. You need like 10 bottles of whiskey. I get room. to the liquor store at 11.59. That's like, mm. I can't imagine. I don't know, it's just ridiculous to me. And they're still doing the 1.30 a.m. Sh- like lockout. You must have loved Canada where you can only buy liquor in a brown paper bag from a menu. Yeah, yeah, the beer the store. Case? Yeah. Yeah, the beer store. There's like there's one conveyor belt where you skid your carton of empties down and it just disappears into a door and then a full box of beer comes out the other side and you don't actually interact with a human being at any point in time. And um it's all owned by the state, which I find interesting. I imagine there's a recurring nightmare that alcoholics in Canada have where in the middle of the night, they dream that they're pushing a box of empties down that corridor and it disappears and then just another box of empties comes out the other yeah, side yeah. and they wake up screaming and like flushed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Did that ever happen, that ever happen to you? Uh, no, it didn't. But I like kind of tried to avoid... People would go to the beer store on our behalf a lot of the time because it just it was such a terrifying like institutionalized liquor shop. It just didn't, didn't really appeal. So at 21, you were standing out the front saying, can you go in and buy me a beer? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I much preferred going out, at least clubbing, when it was uh, transgressive, when you weren't allowed and you were sneaking in. That's definitely most of the fun for me. Yeah. I just try to drink more now to, like, regain some of that thrill. And all it gives me is kidney pain. (laughs) Oh, and, you know, remarkable, semi-memorable nights out. I don't remember anything. Uh. <laughs> you mentioned no. You mentioned religion a lot. I really like to get into that because that's not something that 
comes up very often in my experience of the Melbourne music scene. I mean, it's the occasional metaphor gets thrown out there, but you really get, you name names. You get into Saul and Moses and Jacob. And yeah, I, I, I'm trying to not do that anymore. Um, because I am not really, I've never been religious and I have no reason to be talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of, like all, all of the songs talking about religion was like, I, when I was growing up, I had a cousin who was born the day after me and he was very, he was raised in a very, very strict Christian family and I'd spend a lot of time with him. And the majority of the religious songs that I, or like the songs with a lot of, a lot of religious references that I'd written were kind of about how much I thought his family were a pack of morons and just, they had it wrong. And that's fine. It's okay. But I kind of got over lashing out against that. It's like, it's just not really like that argument to me is now dead. I feel I don't want to talk about religion anymore because it's just, I'm not interested. I, I want to be done with it. Wash my hands of all that nonsense. And because you managed, you wrote the definitive song on the subject. Yeah, people are going to be looking back at that song for generations to come and being like, so that's what Moses did. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what God's doing right now. He's drinking. Yeah, he's drinking. On his own. By himself. Yep. And smoking. Which is sad. It is sad. I mean, sad. it's worse that Nietzsche said God's dead, but it's much more uh, poignant to picture him drinking alone in a room. Well, he's let his power go to his head and he's like alienated a lot of people because of that. Like... It's only just over sort of 50% of all like Britons now, I read in the paper the other day, who, who like class themselves as belonging to a Christian denomination. And he used to have pretty much all of them. So he's already alienated like half of his mates. You're right. That's the beginning of the end, isn't it? And like the other half, like they'll visit him sometimes, but you know, by and large, not many of them are actually practicing. They won't go and hang out with him. Like they'll just say that they like him. And they'll probably slag him off a fair bit behind his back. So, yeah, he's drinking by himself the majority of the time now. Do you feel like it helps to have a target to, to aim this stuff at? I mean, you're over lashing out at religion, but, I mean, I read Lothario as a song where you're doing a character uh, appraisal of somebody and coming up un, well displeased with him. I mean, you say all sorts of nasty things about him. It's like I, I do find it a lot easier to write songs if I'm angry at someone or something because like that's like anger is my love you know i don't feel love i only feel rage no that's not true it's just like that's like that's a nice it's a nice easy emotion to like uh manipulate i suppose and put into words because if you're like it gets you riled up and you feel passionate about something so i write Lots of poems and songs and stuff about how much I hate debt collectors and real estate agents mm-hmm. and um, ticket inspectors. Ticket inspectors? I fucking hate ticket inspectors. Do you have a song on the topic? Um, no, not yet. I've got, I've got, I've got a bunch of poems. <laughs> it's going to take one more fine. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one more the, fine. Yep. And then, no, no, I, no, like that's the problem. They've got me. I validate my Mikey now. Well, that sounds like a problem for you, but for society at large. Yeah, Probably for the best. But I still, f- I still feel like they've won. And ah, oh, I'm sorry, man. There's other battlegrounds on which you can. I know. Succeed. Pick your battles, and yeah. that's what I've decided to do. Now, now I hate parking wardens. Ah, there you go. That's much more. Because I have a car now. 
because I didn't want to have to keep validating my Mikey. <laughs> so you went out and pushed the car. Like, that's fine. Look, I have the money. I'll go out and get a Nissan Pulsar or something. It's a Mitsubishi, but thank you. Yeah, Nissan's cool too. I, look, I just, I'm ignorant in that area. I didn't even have a license. Oh, really? I'm really sorry. Uh, do you sit down in moments of like fits of anger and that's where your creativity comes from? Or is it all, is it across the board? Do you do it when you're sad and when you're happy and when you're angry or, or is it sort of a No, when a I'm sad, I don't feel like writing much at all. I think that a lot of the time when you see somebody get up on stage and they'll be like, oh, I only write songs when I'm sad, like chuck something at them because that's bullshit. If you're sad, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm talking out my ass, but a lot of the time, or people say when they, they, they only write when they're depressed. I think it's because mm. they probably have never been depressed. That's a strong distinction. I would say that sad I can totally run with. But sad, yeah, sad I can harder. go with, but yeah. Um, it's like, no, but generally for myself, when I'm sad, I don't particularly feel much like writing at all. I kind of I just carry a notebook around with me wherever I go and I just like scribble, scribble one-liners in it and stuff like that, scribble things in it and then I can consolidate them to make it sound like I had a cohesive point the whole time. Mm, smoke and mirrors. Mm. No, I, I try to, I try to like then manipulate my one-liners to make it sound like that they, they, you know, they came out naturally. But vast majority of the time, is it's all, yeah, it's all bullshit. That's certainly the case with all the great witticists, isn't it? I mean, Oscar Wilde must have been sitting in his elaborately decorated bedroom. <laughs> he didn't like the curtains, though, from what I've heard. Yeah, that's the end, right? Yeah, yeah. the end, he doesn't like the curtains. Mm, I've heard wallpaper, too. Oh, maybe it's the wallpaper. Who knows? Know. It's lost to history. No yeah. one will ever know. <laughs> no one even knows if he really said it. Yeah, that's, that's all we... Because he's dead, yeah. yeah. So do you feel like, going forward, you're about to record an album? That's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. How's the crowdfunding thing going? How are you finding crowdfunding? Because that's a big thing at the moment, and I've never done it. It's a tough thing, because you're asking your friends for money. Um, that's like being a musician, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like, come see my gig on Friday, it's 10 bucks, but you can afford it. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it, crowdfunding's tough, and I really didn't want to do it initially, but we kind of all like, just, Oscar, where are you going, man? I'm having an interview. Okay, cool. Good luck. I just wish, right. you, were, I wish you were more supportive, you know. All right, quick, Oscar. No. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> uh, there's a ghostly face at the window. Tap, tap, tapping at the glass. No, he's really genuinely gone now, so you can tell me. Um, what am I supposed to be telling you? Well, do you feel like you're competing with him? Oh, no. No, no, I like... Um, he's... We started learning guitar at the same time, and he far outstripped me very quickly. Mm-hmm. But um, I just had to get over that and just focus on writing songs instead because I'm never going to be able to keep up with him. He's like a ninja. He, yeah, he's a bit of a... Each of his fingers is its own separate ninja. Oh. And he has ten ninjas at once, just like katanaing the fuck out of that guitar. It's insane. So this, like... Those are summarized. That doesn't matter. Basically... A, he, <laughs> it's a rich metaphor. Just keep going. <laughs> Thanks, man. I worked yeah. on that for quite a while. Sometimes I compete with him for, like, best dressed, mm -hmm. but not musically, no. Oh, great. You've, you've each got your own position, and you can happily... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've settled into this beautiful equilibrium now. It's very nice. You ever tempted to take a solo? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like, I couldn't... That, that would be competing with him. That would be, like, standing side by side and, like, trying to... Trying to I, could, I could never take... I, I am physically not capable of taking a guitar solo. Oh, 
Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. That's I'd, an insight. I'd have to learn. I'd have to. I'm a chord guy. I just play chords, mm. and like I've discovered with chords, you don't have to move this hand at all, and you can go nuts with this hand, mm-hmm. and it makes it sound like you know what you're doing, mm. and that you're like really technically capable. But actually, the whole time you're playing one chord. I'm very familiar with that particular illusion. Yeah, very I like familiar. it. Yep. It's it's the folk thing. It's the whole finger picking thing. That's like those guys all kicked it off with the whole. It's like playing a three-chord song, but finger-picking the hell out of it, so it sounds like you're playing a really intricate guitar part, but you're not doing anything. Earl Scruggs and Lester Flat and all those guys. Yep. Uh, so what are we going to look out for tonight in your set? As we. Um, well, I was going to say, because you made a reference to like my lyrical content about strong women, I have noticed in, the last, in, a, in a couple of songs that I've written recently, I make reference to... Um, to fat women and a couple of other references that make me sound like a misogynist and an asshole. And I'm not. Honestly, they came out wrong. But they're written now and that's just the way they stand. And I, I, want, I want you to like try not to keep an, out, like an ear out for those lyrics, but if you happen to catch them, forgive me for them straight away. That would be nice. That's all I ask. <laughs> is that do they are they set in stone now because they're recorded, or are they set in stone because once the song's finished, it's finished, and you can't go back and pick it apart? Uh, yeah, because now it's well, it's it's it could be that I'm too lazy to go back and pick it apart, but um, I don't know. I just I I haven't had any better ideas as to how to like <laughs> fix the words up. I was thinking, you, you know, you could probably put a better spin on it, and then you managed to make it sound. Even worse. <laughs> I know. You like threw me a bone there and I just slapped it back at you. Oh, that's fine. Uh, that works for me. I, I don't know about your career. Hopefully this isn't going to destroy it. Yeah. No, I, I, just, I just want people not to hate me. And that's, that's all I want. <laughs> I think you're on a really... I think you're well on your way towards that goal. That'd be nice. Yeah. I like you, James. Oh, Stan. I am fond of you too. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. It's love. I just my girlfriend's in the audience. (laughs) Before we go, uh, I want to thank you for getting up here with me. You take a risk because obviously, you know, you're a great talker, but it's pretty intimidating when everyone's in the dark and looking at you and you can't really see them. I was actually like terribly nervous before I got up on stage. Couldn't tell, but you were lying on the floor. Yeah, that was that was because of the kidneys. All oh, right, how, how are they doing after seeing I took a bunch song? of painkillers. Do you get lonely when you're playing on your own these days? Do you miss the band? Um, I do find it a lot. Uh, no. I've had a couple of solo gigs recently where I really missed the band. Um, but then, like, you know, a couple of days later, I'll have a gig with the band and I, I don't have to miss them anymore. But it's just uh, a lot because a lot of the songs that I play solo are also songs I play with the band. And when, when you're used to having, like, because we've got Leah and her sister Jim singing back and vocals. And we've also got like a four-piece like standard kind of rock and roll band set up. And then if you've got, you've got all of that sound going on and then you get up and you try to do it all by yourself, it, it does like that. It's just not as full as you want. And then you start trying to do the backup vocals at the same time as singing lead and it <laughs> sounds, yeah, it's, it's awful. How long till you can count on your audiences to do the backups for you? Is there going to be, are there sing-along songs? A lot of the songs that are really like heavy on the backing vocals are not recorded yet, so people wouldn't have heard them. But um, 
I'm hoping sooner or later we'll be able to get the whole audience up on stage and they can do the backing vocals. Yeah. <laughs> That's another. Oh, come on, like, you know, you <laughs> dance in your gold <laughs> skirt. Speaking of dancing in a gold skirt, uh, I'm really looking forward to your set. Thanks, man. Thanks heaps for getting up and chatting with me. Uh, Thank you for having me. Any questions from the audience before I let Stan go? I was toying with the idea last week of questions of the audience, and then we ran over time by about four hours. But I'd love, <laughs> I'd love if there was anybody in the audience who wanted to pin him down while we've got him under lights. Uh, there's one, one hand. I'll paraphrase. Question is, what's the deal with the skyscraper? Maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't need to stand up. I I'm really tall. It's <laughs> yeah. This is going to go on radio. So uh, for those of you listening at home, he tried to stand up, but the ceiling was too low. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Great. Well, glad to go out in the name. Skyscraper Stan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Love it. Come if you want to get an email or if you want to follow us on All right, thanks heaps for listening to the podcast. Do look us up on Facebook and Twitter and tell us what you did like about the show and what you didn't like about the show and what you do and don't like about life in general. And go to waitlongbytheriver.com to listen to Skyscraper Stan's set. He really knocked it out of the park. Mandy Connell probably will already have been interviewed by me by the time you listen to this podcast, unless you're really on the hot button listening to this. But do come and see Darren Hanlon in July. That's going to be an absolute corker. I'm getting butterflies just talking about it. Now, stick around for the secret set. Or TAFE or TECH. Whoa! That's, <laughs> tell me, tell me about your educational elitism. Right. Um, Oscar. Terra firma, man. Terra firma. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you weren't exactly on the land. You weren't there for ten years or anything. That's correct. Okay, stop. You know, it's still a pretty good achievement. Yeah, it is, James. <laughs> 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 Not me. No, Any, I, anybody bleeding? No, you're all okay. Mm, are you going to pick up a banjo player? Or is that past its thing? Oscar can play the banjo. It's fine. Oh, great. He's given him a thing with strings on it. Anything? Anything. Uh, cat, <laughs> cat's cradle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Left-handed mandolin. No, I don't like left-handed people. Mm, okay. <laughs> Bit of bigotry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Which All right. apparently is something you're not supposed to do when you've got fucked kidneys. Really? It was yeah. the beer at the, the beer at the same time. It's a cocktail, a deadly cocktail. I don't know it? which one has numbed the kidneys. But they feel fine now. It's it's teamwork. Yeah. They're all banding in together. Banding. In together. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay, good one. So, what's the last gig you remember playing? Next question. <laughs> uh, no, that's... Uh, uh, that's as much as I had, just there.